This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. To our class today, and it's on the praises of Eretz Israel, the importance of Eretz Israel. And I chose to speak to this topic because of today's parasha, this week's parasha is this week's parasha is Parashat Shalach. Parashat Shalach begins with Moshe Rabbeinu sending the twelve spies to spy out the land of Israel. Obviously, the Jews were on the borders of Israel, and the nation wanted to find out what kind of land it was. You know, it's an interesting concept, the concept of a person is not allowed to get married before they see the bride. A man is not allowed to marry a woman until he sees the bride so that he, hasn't, he doesn't have any excuses later on. You know, it's, it's, it's a marriage is forever. How can you make a, how can a person get married without even seeing the bride? Or how, how can a person get married without seeing each other? And that's the reason why Moshe Rabbeinu encouraged the Jewish people to see Eretz Israel before they actually went in. Because our relationship to Israel is not just a nation to its land. It's not a regular nation to its land. It's more like a marital affair. What does that mean? It's a marriage. What does that mean? That means it's something which is not just a physical thing. It's also a spiritual relationship. We're Jews have a physical relationship with our land. What does that mean? That means it's our land. We're the Jewish people. We're a Jewish nation. A nation is attached to the land, the place where they live. But it's also a spiritual concept that we are attached to the land spiritually. What does that mean? That a person thrives in a land, usually it means they thrive physically. We Jews can thrive in Israel on two planes, on the physical plane and the spiritual plane. So we're going to talk a bit about both ideas that the land of Israel is blessed in a certain way and we have a certain attachment to the land of Israel, which is not possible in any other country, not just not possible in any other country. Hashem will not allow us to be attached to another country, as we saw you know, recently in history, in Jewish history. Hashem will not allow the Jewish people to be attached to another country like we are attached to the land of Israel. We have to be attached to the land of Israel. It's a marriage made in heaven. The Jews belong to Israel. Israel belongs to the Jews. We belong to Israel on both planes, on the physical plane and the spiritual plane. Where do we see this? And the first time it's mentioned is in Parsha Lechacha. Hashem has a famous friend. He's, he's one of the few people in the Torah called a friend. In Ishayahu, Hanavi calls him Abraham Ahuvi. My, my beloved Abraham, Hashem says, my beloved Abraham. Why was Abraham beloved to God? And the answer is because Abraham was unique. He chose God. Abraham Avinu had a choice. He was not raised as a monotheist. He was not raised to believe in God. He was raised as a pagan by his father, Terach, and his mother, Amtilai Bakranevo. And he was raised in a pagan society with the king Nimrod, who was a pagan and who believed he himself was a God. He wanted everyone to worship him or the sun. And Abraham Avinu, despite all the travails, uh, we know he had 10 travails, 10 tests in his life, he chose God. He was willing to be burnt in a fiery furnace, and he, despite that, he chose God. He chose Hashem to be his God. And the first mitzvah given to Abraham that we have recorded in the Torah explicitly is when Hashem says, Abraham, lech lecha. Go. The first mitzvah given to Abraham Avinu, the first mitzvah given to the first Jew, he wasn't really Jewish, but he was the forerunner of the Jews. The first mitzvah given to him was the mitzvah of Lech Lecha. Go, go to the land I will show you. So land I will show you, go. 
The first mitzvah, think about it. The first thing God tells Abraham, she said, you know, Abraham, I congratulate you. You chose me. You're spreading the word among the people and you're very successful. You're the best missionary I ever had. Uh, you're definitely better than Noah. You're better than uh, Adam. You're the best proponent of monotheism that ever lived in the world in the last 1948 years. Abraham Avinu, yes, Abraham Avinu was born in 1948 in the Jewish calendar, not the secular calendar. So it's interesting, it's easy to remember. Abraham Avinu was born in 1948 in the Jewish calendar. And he was the biggest proponent of God in the world, of, of monotheism, of Hashem. And uh, Hashem says the first mitzvah given to Abraham Avinu was go to the land that I will show you. And the test was, he never even said which land it was. Abraham Avinu didn't ask questions. Hashem says to go. He says, okay, which direction? Tell me your direction. Go in that direction. Okay, so Abraham Avinu goes. He goes to Eretz Kenan. At that time, it was called Eretz Kenan. Rashi says, the land belonged to Abraham. How? Abraham was a direct descendant of Shem, the son of Noah. And Israel was given to Shem, the son of Noah. And we find that Shem lived in Yerushalayim. He was Melech Shalem. Shem was Melech Shalem, the king of Shalem, which is the old word for Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is a combination of two words. Abraham Avinu says, Hashem Yireh. And when he goes to Har, Har Moriah, Hashem will show you. And the place he showed him was a place called Shalem. So Yerushalem, you will see Shalem. Shalem comes with Shalom, peace or perfection. Yerushalayim is a place where a person can find peace and perfection. Bezrah Hashem, <laughs> speedily in our time. Uh, we have to find peace and perfection in Eretz Israel, in Yerushalayim, Yerakodesh, Yerushalayim. Yireh, Shalem, Shalom, we will see peace over here in Yerushalayim, Yireh Kodesh. But anyway, Hashem says, Abraham, you go. Abraham says, one second, I got a great job over here. I'm spreading the word of God. I'm very successful. He says he took with him all the people he had made in Haran, all the people he had convinced. Rashi says, all the people he had converted to belief in this one God. He had many followers, Abraham Avinu. And his wife, Sarah, was converting the women. He was converting the men. And Rambam doesn't normally bring down Midrashim. It's one of the few Midrashim the Rambam brings down. The laws of Yesodeh HaTorah, the foundations of the Torah and Abad Zarah. He talks about this great pillar, Abraham Avinu, this great man, Abraham Avinu, who converted, who gave lectures to thousands of people and converted thousands of people to this belief in ethical monotheism. The belief, interesting, this concept of ethical monotheism. We Jews, our mission in the world is to spread this concept to the nations of the world of ethical monotheism. And if we don't spread it, they'll kill us. Very simple. If we don't teach the nations of the world to be ethical and believe in one God, they're going to kill us. They're going to want to kill us. And this is our big failure. If there's anti-Semitism in the world, it's because we're failing. If there's anti-Semitism in Israel, which there is, they want to kill us, it's because we're failing. Why are we failing? We're failing to teach them basic ethics. Not allowed to hurt anyone, not to kill anyone, not allowed to steal, not allowed to kidnap, something which we're failing. So that, anyway, that's Abraham Abidu's mission was to be Orla Goyim, to be a light unto the nations, to bring all the nations back to belief in God, to believe in ethical monotheism. And he was very successful. And yet Hashem says, leave. I know you're successful. I know you have many followers in Chutzlaris, but I want you to go to the land I will show you. In other words, the land I will show you is more important than what you're doing in Haran. What you're doing in Haran is bringing many people to service of God, 
but you have to go. Your main job is going to be in Eretz Canaan, the special land that I've chosen for you and your descendants. Israel is a very special land. It's uniquely built for the Jewish people. It was chosen by God for the Jewish people because it suits us both physically and also spiritually, not to be forgotten, the spiritual side. A person can thrive spiritually in the land of Israel. You know, when I came here, the first time I came, I was like 18 years old. And I went to yeshiva and something was lit up inside me. It was the land of Israel. The spiritual side of the land of Israel was lit up inside me as no, no other place in the world can light it up inside me. And a lot of people feel the same way. When they come to Israel, something, there's a spark that, that is ignited. Why? Because this land is the land of our soul. It's a land where our soul can connect to Hashem much easier than anywhere else in the world, even though many people say otherwise. It's tried, and uh, and that was the proof in the Torah is Abraham. Hashem says, Abraham, you are going to go to Israel. Similarly, the whole two, uh, say four-fifths of the whole Torah is about taking the Jews out of Egypt and taking them to the land of Israel. Can you imagine? Four-fifths of the Torah revolves around this concept of moving out of Galut, moving out of exile, moving out of the land of Egypt, which was exile that time, and going to the land of Israel. So important, so fundamental is this mitzvah and belief in Judaism is Israel is our country. Israel is our land, despite what the whole world tells us. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because from Sarah Agra, more trouble, the more reward. There's nothing worthwhile in the, in, the, in the world for a person to achieve which is not faced with setbacks. Anything which is worthwhile, a person pays attention to their lives. Anything which is worthwhile, they have to fight for. They have to struggle for. They have to study for. They have to pay attention. They have to sit and, and, and control themselves. So anything which is worthwhile is a struggle. Eretz Israel is worthwhile. How do we know? We struggled through the centuries for Israel. We struggled through the centuries to live in this country and we're still struggling now, but it's because it's worthwhile. Why is it worthwhile? It's worthwhile because this is the land that God made and promised Abraham Avinu and his descendants. It is purpose made for us. It's like a suit. You go and buy a suit. So you can buy a suit off the shelf or you can go and buy a suit made to measure. A made to measure suit is going to fit you much better, hopefully. The land of Israel was made to measure for the Jewish people. It's made to measure for us physically, and it's made to measure for us spiritually as well. So we have to really in, in, inculcate ourselves, really believe this at a very deep level. The land of Israel is our land. The land of Israel was given to us by God. It was made for us. It was specifically made for us, chosen for us, because the land of Israel is a spiritual land. It's not just a physical land, but it was chosen for us because of its qualities, the physical properties, and the spiritual qualities. Uh, I want to just quote a few quotes from the Zohar. The Zohar is Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai. And obviously he was a big Kabbalist. He understood more than anyone else. So he says over here, a Jew can only have true life, wisdom and prophecy in the land of Israel. In fact, there is no prophecies except for Moshe Rabbeinu's prophecy that was not linked to Israel. As Gemara says, it's impossible to have prophecy unless you live in Israel. Well, at least when the prophecy started, you had to live in Israel. All the prophets after Moshe Rabbeinu lived in Israel, or their prophecy started in the land of Israel, including Yechezkel and Daniel and uh, other prophets who lived in Babylon. Their prophecies started in the land of Israel. 
It's impossible to have prophecy outside the land of Israel. It's impossible to reach spiritual heights. Although we had great rabbis outside Israel, we never had any prophet outside Israel unless the prophecy started in Israel itself. So the Shabbat Baruchai says, Eretz Israel is the center of the world. And that's interesting because <laughs> that's all they care about. The whole world, the whole United Nations, all they're worried about all the time, the main problem they worry concern themselves. If you look at the majority of all the resolutions or all their human rights efforts, all Israel, Israel, Israel. Shabbat says, why? He said, because Israel is the center of the world. I would translate it, Israel is the center of world attention. It's interesting. Even in the old days, Israel was the center of three continents. Imagine three continents met in this small land. Um, Africa, Asia, and Europe. The land of Israel is the three continents meet in this land. So it's a very important place. And maybe that's why Hashem chose it for us, because our Ravina was doing missionary work, that all the different uh, different uh, tribes would uh, gather around Israel, they would uh, travel through Israel from the north to, to Egypt, from the south to the north, to the east, to the west, all through the land of Egypt, of Israel. So therefore Israel was very central, maybe that's why Israel was chosen. But anyway, Israel has a physical dimension to it, and also it's a spiritual dimension to it. Hashem tells Abraham, go to Israel. Only in Israel will you become a mighty nation. In other words, all the blessings outside Israel would not come true unless he moved to Israel. If he moved to Israel, he would get the blessing of having children and uh, like the stars in the sky, like the sand of the sea and all the terrific blessings of plenty that Abraham got was only because he moved to the land of Israel. So Israel is a land where promises come true where blessings come true. Israel Hashem, we're seeing this today. Israel is this tremendous blessing in the land of Israel. It's amazing. I was talking to someone last, yes, last night. Uh, we go to class together, shear together. And over there, I was telling him, I don't know of any other place in the world where they actually wash the floor. They actually wash the pavement on a daily basis. In the land, in Israel, in Yushalay, in Irak Kodesh, so concerned about cleanliness, the new mayor, that he has these trucks going around washing the floor. There's sweepers going around every day, sweeping the floors, uh, some of the pavements, uh, the streets, and he's got these uh, trucks with the br brushes going around every day, and he's very, very careful about cleanliness in, in Yushalayim. Yushalayim is shining today like a pearl. It's a pleasure to be in Yushalayim, in Kodesh. Um, the blue skies um, and the sunshine, the clear, pure air. It's beautiful it's really beautiful and so anyway Yushalayim is a pearl it's today it's shining with all the problems we have it's shining they're building non-stop the roads are improving the, the transport is amazing it's it really is amazing I, I can't recognize Yushalayim the time I was here when I was a kid and what it is now it's it's changed beyond recognition it's amazing amazing it's very advanced it's a very advanced society it's a beautiful city it's a clean city. It's a very safe city. You won't find other places where there's, despite everything you hear in the, in the newspapers. I actually spoke to a guy um, last week in, in Borough Park in, in Brooklyn. And I asked him, is it safe over there? And he said, the only safe place for Jews is Israel. <laughs> he didn't even know I was living here. So it's interesting, but it's true. You go to Yushalayim, you can see um, men, women, children walking the streets at 2 a.m., 1 a.m., walking the streets with no fear, obviously in certain areas, but 
most of the city, I would say most of the city, 80%, you can walk anywhere, any time of day and night, and you're safe. Hashem says, Abraham, you go to Eretz Yisrael, you go to Canaan. Why? Because that's where the dream, your dream of spirituality, your dream of being light to the nations is going to come true. That's where you're going to have children. That's where you're going to thrive. That's where your progeny is going to thrive. The land of Israel is suitable for you. It's built for you. So Rishim Barichai says, Eretz Yisrael is the center of the world. When the Jews dwell in Eretz Yisrael, blessing flows down into the world. It's interesting because the nations don't know this. That because when we are in Israel, when blessings flow down to the world, especially if there's a bit of a dash. And when we are exiled from Israel, blessing is cut off from the world. The Jewish nation is built uniquely for Israel. Israel is built for us spiritually and physically. The Jewish nation are one only when they dwell in Eretz Israel. We have to all live together. You know, it's interesting, just going on a bus. Going on a bus in Israel and seeing people's faces. You have nation. It's amazing to see the prophecies in the Torah. At the end of Devarim, it says, Hashem says, I will scatter you among the nations of the world. And I will gather you back and you go on a bus in Israel to see that this prophecy has come true in front of our very eyes. You have every single nation around the world in the Israeli demographic. You have black Jews, white Jews, yellow Jews, green Jews, I don't know, Jews from every single country of the world today living in Eretz Israel. It really is. We see the prophecy of the Torah is coming true in front of our very eyes. The Jews were scattered. We all know scattered in the Galut. And now Hashem is bringing us back. So now the only thing we need to do is buy a ticket. Hashem is bringing us back. We need to help. We need to go to Nefesh Benefesh. Go and help Hashem bring us back. The Jewish nation are one only when we do that in Eretz Israel. Because then we are united. Hopefully we're going to be united together. Under, in one country, in unity and strength. The divine presence, as we said, prophecy only exists in the land of Israel. From the land of Israel can go outside. Divine presence reveals itself fully only in the land of Israel, and especially the Shekhinah's presence, it says, never departed from the Kotel Amarabi. The Shekhinah's presence is the closest we can get to, the, to our temple, the closest we can get to our Holy of Holies is uh, the Kotel Hamarabi. The Kotel, everyone knows about the Kotel, and uh, that's the closest we can get. The Shekhinah's presence, God's presence, never left the Kotel. When the nation of Israel guards the covenant in Israel, that's another condition. That's the harder condition. It's enough to. It's not enough to buy a ticket to Israel. A person's got to keep the covenant with God, the Brit, the covenant, which is the Torah. Our Torah is our covenant with God. It's the it's the ketubah of the Jewish people. Some people have the custom of reading a ketubah. A very beautiful. I know that's the old custom in our shul in uh, from Salonika and from Greece. The Ladino speakers had a ketubah between man and God. Uh, in Ladino, and was read on Shavuot. It was very, very long. It was read on Shavuot. And for those who keep stay up all night and after reading the Ketubah, you're really falling asleep. It's a, it's a long thing, but we see that there is a breed, there's a covenant between man and God. And Israel is part of that covenant. Israel is part of the unique covenant between man and God. So when we guard the covenant, when we guard the Torah in the land of Israel, no nation, we have a guarantee, no nation will be able to conquer us. If we keep the Torah in the land of Israel, no nation will be able to touch us, as Rada Shem will see this speedily in our days. The commandments of the Torah only took force, Rabbi Shem says in the Zohar. When do the commandments of the Torah start? 
And the answer is only when they enter the land of Israel, when they enter the land of Israel, that's when the commandments of the Torah started. So a Jew, the Gemara says, who lives in the land of Israel is considered that Hashem is his God. Uh, what does that mean? That means we have direct providence. We have a direct call to Hashem. Person prays in the land of Israel is not the same as praying outside Israel. Praying outside Israel involves relaying messages through angels. Here we pray in the land of Israel. It's a direct line. It's a hotline to Hashem. Hotline to Hashem goes through the land of Israel. It goes through. If you can get to Yerushalayim, even better. If you get to the wedding wall, it's even better. But it's closer and closer to the land of Israel. Center of the world, the center of the Jewish world, the center of the spiritual world. So the question is, if it's so simple that the land of Israel is our land, why are there so many Jews living outside Israel? Now, now what's also interesting is today they say we're very close. Either we're close to it or it is an actual fact. The majority of Jews in the world live in Israel. Today we've got to the point where most um, either... Around half of the Jews in the world live in Israel. It's amazing, amazing statistic, which never even happened in the second temple period. We're talking about the first temple period, just before the first temple period, uh, when the, all the Jews were in Israel. The 12 tribes were in Israel. That's when the majority of Jews lived in Israel. After the first destruction on, the majority of Jews did not live in Israel anymore. Till now, and very close to now, Majority of Jews will be back in the land of Israel. It's amazing, amazing statistic. It's amazing statistic. So we have to really appreciate living in today's day and age. And that's the prophecy. I just want to read you this prophecy. It's an amazing prophecy in Devarim. If your outcast will be at the utmost parts of the heaven and scattered over the four corners of the world, from there Hashem will gather you and from there he will fetch you. And the Lord your God will bring you unto the land which your fathers possessed, and you shall possess it. And this is what we're seeing today. Hashem is bringing us back indirectly, not directly. We don't see open miracles, but the fact is that we're here is itself a miracle. It's a tremendous miracle for Jews for thousands of years. He's wandering the globe, and all of a sudden, I think about my history. Um, my grandfather lived here, he moved here in 1850 when he was a kid. He lived here until 1910. And he moved abroad because the Turks wanted to take his son into the army. And here I am coming back. Uh, my father did not live in Israel. Unfortunately, he dreamed about living in Israel all the time. He'd tell us, I wish I could live in Israel. I'm waiting for my lottery to win. I win the lottery and then I'll move to Israel. Well, thank God I'm here. Thank God this is the dream of my father. It's a dream, not just my father, but our forefathers. We say this three times a day in the Shemona Esrei. Let our eyes see our coming back to Sion, which is Yushalayim, in mercy. We want to come back to Yushalayim in mercy, not through anti-Semitism, not through acts of torture or uh, killing, but through Hashem's mercy. Baruch Hashem, you can come to Israel today. When times of mercy, when we have a state, we have an army, we have the Air Force, we are so lucky. We can defend ourselves. Jews thousands of years could not defend themselves. Today we have the ability to defend ourselves, thank God, a million times. We say every day in our prayers, Hashem oz yuten, Hashem yivarech et bashalom. Hashem will give strength to his nation. Hashem will give peace to his nation. What does that mean? That means only when we are in a position of strength will we have peace. If we're not in a position of strength, it will rip us up. So we have to be totally strong. Thank God we are strong today. Thank God. 
We have to continually strengthen ourselves, both internally, externally, physically, spiritually. We have to strengthen ourselves. That's why we say all the time, Sephardim will say, Chazak Baruch. Be strong and be blessed. Be strong and blessed. If you're strong, the blessing will come. The blessing of peace will only come if we're strong. We have to be strong. So this prophecy that Hashem will bring us back from the four corners of the world is coming true today. And everyone should try and take part in this. It's happening. It's happening whether you like it or not. It's happening around us. You come to Israel, you see the Yemenites, Moroccans, Americans, Russians, every different society. People are here from all over the world, four corners of the world. And it's amazing how many non-Jews are here as well. You see all these uh, the, the, the helpers for the old people, the Filipinos and the Indians <laughs> here as well. So we come to Israel, everyone comes to Israel. So it's very important. One of the signs of Mashiach, one of the signs of the redemption is, it says the rabbis tell us in Sanhedrin 98a, it's a Rashi over there, Rashi says, one of the signs of the Messianic era is when the land of Israel yields its fruits in abundance. There is no sure sign of the end of the exile. It's amazing. You come to Israel, go to the store, see how much fruits there are. Listen, I don't know. Someone planted a tree outside my window. You know, I, I spoke to the, the, head, the manager of this uh, apartment building, and he says, no one planted it. Someone threw a seed out of the window, and all of a sudden, I have a mishmish tree outside my window. I can pluck these beautiful mishmish, what is a mishmish, gosh, apricots. I got beautiful apricots outside my window, growing outside my window. And it was there, not because anyone planted the tree, just someone chucked a seed outside the window. And hey, presto, a couple of years later, it's like four years old. There's no problem with Orla. I can't wait for it to ripen. And I will have some nice, juicy Israeli apricots outside my window. It's an amazing blessing, which we're seeing today in the land of Israel. The technology is blooming. It's blossoming. And as we see, this is a startup nation. I know, I know this, this last war really ruined Israel's image. We had such a good image, as a startup nation. But you know what? It's going to come back if people forget. People have short memories. Bezrat Hashem, we're going to be a light to the nations around us. Bezrat Hashem. And the sign that Israel yields its fruit in abundance. There's no sure sign of the end of the exile. That's an amazing concept. There's a famous rabbi, Rabbi Abraham Azulai, the Chesed Abraham, who lived in Hebron. 350 years ago. Jews were in Hebron 350 years ago in the year 5404 in the Jewish calendar. He writes, the first night a person comes to Eretz Israel, their soul rises to a spiritual world during sleep, then returns in the morning from its wanderings. Normally the same soul returns after sleep. After coming to Israel, a remarkable change takes place. After a person breathes and absorbs the air of Eretz Israel, they are transformed. When they awaken in the first morning in Israel, they get a new soul. They get the soul of Eretz Israel. How do we know this? And the answer is, it's in the Torah. It's in the vision of Yaakov, Abinu, Jacob, our forefather. He's leaving Israel. What does he see? He sees this ladder going up to heaven and the angels going up and down the ladder. Rashi says, the angels of Israel who accompanied him in Israel were leaving him, and the angels of Hutzlaritz were coming down to greet him. Now, if you read, angels can also be a spiritual quantity, can also be the souls. A person's soul is going to leave the old soul of Israel. A person leaves Israel, the old soul of Israel is going to leave, and the soul of Hutzlaritz will come, and vice versa. A person comes the other way, 
the soul of Chutzlar, it's the soul of exile, leaves them, and the soul of the land of Israel comes in. How do we know? Is when Yaakov Avinu comes back into the land of Israel. Hashem changed his name to Yisrael. Hashem says, you're no longer going to be called Yaakov. Yaakov is a very lowly name. Why? Because it's, it's, it's from, it means the heel. The parents, which is a strange name, they give their son Yaakov the heel. Because he came out holding onto the heels of his brother Esau. That's what the Torah says. So they called him Yaakov, the heel. And Hashem changes his name. When he comes back into the land of Israel, it's interesting because the land of Israel is named after Yaakov. His new name is Israel. That's why we're called B'nai Israel, called the children of Israel. And the land in which he lives is named Israel after him. So Israel, Yaakov's new name, the new soul he got, the new name he got, Israel, is also the name of our land where he lived. Yaakov is named Israel. The land he lives is Israel. We are Israel. Our land is Israel and we are Israel. What better symbolism can you have of the unity between the Jewish soul and the land than having the same name? We both have the same name. We are Israel and the land is Israel. That's an amazing concept. Land. That's our land. It's the land built purposely for us. It's a purpose-built land for Jews, spiritually and physically. And that's what it means. Uh, you know, the Vilnagan says, when Yaakov came back, it says, Yaakov came to Shalem, to the city of Shechem. Shalem, as we mentioned, means wholeness. So Vilnagan says, Yaakov was not whole until he came back to Israel. When he came to Israel, he was completed. A new soul came in, his soul was completed, and we should take that also as encouragement to move to Israel, to get our perfect soul, to get the other side of our soul, the Israeli side of our soul. So Israel is made for us. There are 10 measures of Torah in the world. The Midrash says in Bereshit Rabbah 16, it says 10 measures of Torah in the world. Nine are in Eretz Israel. You know how many people are learning Torah in Israel? Full time, 50,000, 60,000 people are learning Torah full time in Israel. We never had so many people learning Torah in our history since the time of Chizkiyahu HaMelech in the first temple period. It's an amazing concept, amazing. We are really amazing. People think it's bad times. These are the best times we've had for thousands of years. We should relish these times. We should relish our ability to go to Israel. That's it. That's our ability. I you know, thank God every day I walk on the streets of Yerushalayim. It's like a dream. I'm living my dream, thank God, a million times. So we are connected to our homeland. This is our homeland. Hashem made it for us. Only here can we genuinely fulfill our Torah because there's many mitzvot that only apply in Israel. You know, when I get that mishmish, number one is I got to worry about the mishmish tree outside my window. Is it orla? First three years you plant a tree, not allowed to eat the fruit. That's a law from the Torah that applies only in Israel from the Torah. It applies outside Israel as well from the rabbis, but not from the Torah. And therefore outside Israel, if you're in doubt whether it's three years old or not, you can eat the fruit. In Israel, can't eat the fruit. You're in doubt. It's a doubt from the Torah law. You have to be strict. Then when I pluck this mishmish, I have to take separate trumot and masrot. Tithes for the priests, tithes for the Levites, tithes for the poor, all kinds of tithes with this mitzvot only apply in Israel. And every mitzvah has a bracha to be said. It's amazing. We get so many opportunities for mitzvot in Israel that don't apply outside Israel. Next year is going to be Shemitah again. We'll have to talk about that. Well, the, the philosophy behind the Shemitah year, the sabbatical year, 
every college knows about sabbaticals. We don't really, we forget about the source of the sabbatical year is the Torah, is this idea of sabbatical year for not people, it's for the ground, it's for the land of Israel because Israel is like a living person. The land of Israel has a, a year of rest. It's an amazing concept we have to talk about some other time. Our connection to Israel is not based solely on the fact it's our homeland. And the answer is not just our homeland, it's suited for us. Hashem made it for us. Hashem created for us. It's like a suit of clothes made specifically for a person. So the Torah, which is learned in Israel, is a special Torah. It's a unique Torah. There's no Torah like the Torah of Eretz Israel. Eretz is not something external to us. It is spiritually and physically a part of us. And we're at a wedding, a Hatan says, Im if I forget Jerusalem, I should forget my right hand. I mean, Jerusalem is my right hand. It's equated with a person's body. Yushalayim is our part of our body. Eretz Israel is part of our physical bodies. And it's integral to our soul. An individual can wander about from place to place without a permanent home. But a nation has to have a land. A nation has to have a permanent land. Eretz Israel is a land of Klal Israel, A land of the nation and the community of Israel. I want to quote you an amazing statement. This statement was made by a rabbi who lived just before the Holocaust. He died in 1926. His name was the Rabbi Meir Simcha Hakohen from Dvinsk. And he wrote a book called Meshe Chochma. He also wrote a book called Osameh, very famous Ashkenazi rabbi who lived in Europe before the Second World War. Look what he says. Look what he says. This is, this is like a prophecy. If a Jew thinks that Berlin is Jerusalem, a raging storm wind will uproot him by his trunk. A tempest will arise and spread its roaring waves and swallow and destroy and flood forth without pity. Now, wild. How do you predict this? If you think Berlin is Jerusalem, we're finished. We're finished. If we think New York is our Jerusalem, we're finished. If we think London is our Jerusalem, we're finished. And we're seeing this today. We're seeing anti-Semitism everywhere. So, it's, so look what he says. It's terrible. Those should not make that mistake. We only have one Jerusalem. We only have one Eretz Israel. We only have one homeland. This is our homeland. When it seems to us in our present peaceful existence outside the land of Israel, this is written by Rabbi Yaakov Emden about 250 years ago. It seems to us our present peaceful existence outside the land of Israel that we have found another Israel. We have found another Jerusalem. This to me is the greatest, deepest, most obvious and direct cause of all the awesome, frightening, monstrous, unimaginable destructions that we have experienced in the diaspora. He said this thousands and hundreds of years ago. All the pogroms, all the crusades, because people thought that Jerusalem was outside Israel. Our Jerusalem is not outside Israel. Our Jerusalem is the real Jerusalem. This is the real Jerusalem. The real Jerusalem. The real Israel. The real Jerusalem. So it's very important to realize this is our country. There's no substitute. A Jew cannot call any other land his homeland. It's temporary. I was going to think at best it's temporary. We find uh, shelter in a temporary land, but it's not our land. It's galut, it's exile. The word is galut, exile, diaspora, but it's not our land. So there's a beautiful letter, which was written by many rabbis, signed by many rabbis, including all the Haredi rabbis. You don't realize this. We have to print this letter. Hundreds of great rabbis, including the former chief rabbis, Rabbi Yitzhak Halevi Herzog, whose grandson is now the president, Rabbi Ben-Sion Meir Ozel, the great chief rabbi, the Sephardic chief rabbi of Israel. Rabbi Svi Pesach Frank, who was the rabbi of Yushalayim. 
Rav Tikachinsky, uh, Rabbi Yechiel Sarni, was a Rosh Yeshiva, Hebron Yeshiva. Many very great rabbis on every side of the spectrum signed this letter saying that it's a mitzvah to take part in the elections of Israel, the first elections of Israel, because they are the blossoms of the beginning of the Gula. This is Israel, is the blossoms of the beginning of the redemption. Reshit Smichat Gulatenu is the beginning of the blossoms of our redemption. We should see complete redemption. This is the beginning. We should see complete redemption. Hashem chose us. We say in our blessing of the Torah. Hashem chose us from among the nations and he gave us his Torah. We also say, Hashem has chosen Zion. Hashem has chosen our country, our land, our heritage. He has chosen us and he has chosen our heritage for us. So it's interesting. This is a spiritual concept. We have a spiritual country made to measure for us to grow not just physically, but also spiritually. As Rashi was seeing people grow tremendously in the land of Israel. People come from all over the world to study yeshiva, seminaries. Baruch Hashem, see the seminaries around Harnoff, around the corner from here. The yeshivot, all the Americans over here, the English from all over the world. Russians were studying here, Baruch Hashem. And in Israel, we are one nation. We become one nation in Israel. So Israel is a special land. It's a special country. Our country made to measure for us. Moshe Rabbeinu says, it's interesting, the, the, the Midrash criticizes Moshe Rabbeinu. It criticizes Moshe and it praises Yosef HaTzadik. Why? Because Yosef HaTzadik, whenever he told anyone who he was, he always said, I'm not from here. I'm a foreigner from the land of Israel. I was stolen from the land of the Hebrews. That's what Yosef says. I was stolen. I was kidnapped. I was kidnapped from the land of Hebrews. I'm a Hebrew. I'm not an Egyptian. And Moshe Rabbeinu, when the daughters of Yitro saw him, they told their father, Ish Mitzri, an Egyptian man, has, uh, has saved us from the, from the, the, the shepherds who tried to chuck us out of the well, threw us away from the well, an Egyptian man. And he heard them say, he's an Egyptian man. He never contradicted them. So the Midrash says, Moshe Rabbeinu said he was an Egyptian, but he didn't say it. He didn't explicitly say, just acquiesced. He didn't argue with them when they called him an Egyptian man. He was buried outside Israel. He was not worthy to be buried in Israel. Whereas Yosef, who said he was an Israeli, he was a Hebrew from a foreign land, he was worthy to be buried in the land of Israel. So it's interesting. A person never forget that they are all linked to the land of Israel. We are linked to the land of Israel. We forget Eretz Israel is a natural, healthy, divinely intended place. So Hashem said to Abraham, Lech lecha, go to the land I will show you. And Abraham was not taught. He wasn't told which land it was. He came to the land of Israel. That's our land. That's a very important concept. That's our land. In Judaism, you find that one of the greatest rabbis outside from the Rambam. Rambam was number one, for sure. Number two was Ramban. Not so well known. Ramban Nachmanides, Ramoshe ben Nachman. He was, uh, he, he was born just before the Rambam died. He was also born in Spain. And in his time, there was peace in Spain. He thrived in Spain. And he opened the Yeshiva in Spain. He had many students in Spain. And he writes over there his commentary on the Torah. He writes the tremendous mitzvah of living in the land of Israel, settling the land of Israel. You know, it's interesting. It's not just living in Israel. It's settling the land of Israel, which means making sure there's no one else. Take 
as much land as you can and settle it. We are Jews, this is our land. We have to settle as much as we can and dwell in the land of Israel. So it's important, it's a mitzvah in the Torah to dwell in the land of Israel, according to Ramban. And our rabbis always explain the value of Eretz Israel. It's a value to the Torah, to the mitzvah, to all the mitzvot. And the, the mitzvah of living in Israel, they said, is equal in scale to all the commandments of the Torah. This is a Sifri. It's a Midrashi commentary on Parshat Ekev. Says the land, living in the land of Israel is equivalent to all the mitzvot in the Torah. Amazing. Every single Jew lives in Israel, whether he likes it or not, it's keeping every single mitzvah in the Torah by dint of just living in Israel, whatever that means. You live in Israel. Israel is like the heart of the mitzvot. It's a famous Rashi and Ramban and Devarim. The Rashi says that when a person lives outside Israel and does mitzvot, they're actually just practicing. They're practicing for when they go back to Israel. They're practicing the mitzvah we do outside Israel. Practice not to forget the mitzvah when we come back to Israel. Israel is the main place for mitzvah. Israel is the main place. If a person does a mitzvah in Israel, it's maybe 10,000 times the value of a mitzvah done outside Israel. If a person learns Torah in Israel, it's maybe 10,000 or more times the value of a Torah learned outside Israel. Tremendous obligation to live in the land of Israel. Tremendous mitzvah to live in the land of Israel. We're blessed that today that we are privileged. We have the privilege to be able to live in the land of Israel with all the problems and all the sarot. Nevertheless, the land is thriving. You go around, you walk around, and you go and travel around and see this country is thriving. It's amazing. It's thriving. It's tremendous thriving. We got through COVID and we're thriving. We got through a war and we're thriving. It's a miracle. We're thriving. Baruch Hashem. You see God's blessing everywhere. Never seen so many cranes in my life in uh, a short area digging tunnels, there's a new roads, new buildings, amazing, every single day there's something new. Rashi says, so what do you mean, if you go outside Israel, you're practicing doing mitzvot? Rashi gives a parable. Rashi says, this is like a king who got angry with his wife. He threw out his wife, got angry with his wife, and he sent her back to her father's house. Interesting. So the parable is, the land of Israel is the king, the father's house is Galut, the father's house is exile, and Hashem is the king. Hashem says, leave my house, leave Israel my house, and go to your father's house, go to exile. That your father's house, your father being Terach, your great-grandfather who was the father of Abraham, whose house was outside Israel. Go back to your father's house. And he said to her, but wear your jewelry. All the jewelry I gave you, make sure you wear your jewelry. So when you come back to my palace, it won't seem new to you. You'll be used to it. You'll be used to the jewelry. And you'll be thinking all the time when you wear the jewelry that there's a palace. I used to be the queen. So similarly, when we're thrown into exile, Hashem says, keep the mitzvot. So when you come back to the land, you'll know you're back in the palace. You'll never forget the palace. Set up marks for yourself. Set up signposts. Yirmiyahu says, set up signposts for yourselves. To know the way back to Israel, these signposts are the mitzvot. We're supposed to keep mitzvot. We have to remember there's many mitzvot just remind us of who we are, what we are, where our land is. Our land is the land of Israel. It's a natural place, our natural place is in the land of Israel. So just like we're careful to eat kosher food, living outside Israel, careful to eat lots of kosher, kosher. We all keep the land kosher. Where you live in Israel, outside of Israel, kosher. Eat food, which is kosher, because we know food has a bearing. We are what we eat. Spiritually, a person eats non-kosher food, it affects their souls. Or the rabbi says, tum it defiles the heart of a person. It's very important. A person keeps kosher, 
not to defile themselves, not to defile their souls. A lot of people are lost because they started breaking one mitzvah, another mitzvah, and before you know it, they get lost from Judaism. They break their connection to God, and a lot of it is caused by this lack of kashrut, by not eating kosher food. So it's very important. Just like a person eats kosher food, so too a person should breathe kosher air. <laughs> Picture never heard of that. What is kosher air? What is kosher air? A person should live in a kosher land. What is a kosher land? The answer is, you breathe the air of Eretz Israel is kosher air. You live in the land of Israel, it's kosher land. The land itself is pure. The, the, the air in the land of Israel is spiritually pure. It says, Avira de Eretz Israel machkin. The air of Israel makes a person wise. Makes a person wise in Torah. A person learns Torah in Eretz Israel. You cannot compare because the air is different. It's a more spiritual air. Anyone who walks six feet in the land of Israel, think about this, you walk through the streets, but you think, every time I walk six feet, another mitzvah, boy. It says, anyone who walks six feet in the land of Israel, Arba Amot, has a portion in the world to come, boy. Imagine every time you walk six feet in the land of Israel, it's such a blessing. Portion of the world to come, you all want portions of the world to come. Call Israel, every single Jew has a portion of the world to come. The question is, how big is the portion? That's all. Everyone has a portion. So I want more than six feet. I want to walk six feet in Israel. I get another portion. Get another portion. Another portion. So it's a very big mitzvah just to walk six feet in the land of Israel. It's a tremendous, tremendous merit to walk six feet in the land of Israel. So by contrast, outside Israel, the land is impure. The land is impure. The air is impure. Even halakhically, the rabbis made rules saying the land of Israel is outside Israel is impure. They made a gazera on the land of Israel. It's impure. Why? Because they said people bury anywhere. There's no marked graves. In those days, people never marked graves. There were no cemeteries. People just buried dead people all over the place outside Israel. And therefore, they said the land outside Israel is impure. It's a Gemara in Shabbat 14b. And so it's a very important concept that we live in Israel. It's kosher air, kosher land, or Hashem. And when we, we must live in Israel. Those that always remember, we must live in Israel. There's an obligation to live in Israel. It's not like a choice. It's not a free will choice. Hashem says, go and live in the land of Israel. The first mitzvah given to Abraham Avinu, the mitzvah which the whole Torah is constructed around. The five books of Moshe, four out of five books are all about the Jews going into the land of Israel. Unfortunately, this week's parasha is the episode of the spies. Moshe Avinu says in Devarim, he says, I sent the spies because you pushed me, you guys, you Jews, you B'nai Yisrael, pushed me to send the spies. I was not going to send the spies. Hashem's word is good enough for me. Hashem says the land for milk and honey. And I believe in Hashem. Hashem says we're going to conquer the land. No problem. I believe in Hashem. But you pushed me to send the spies. And I sent the spies and it was a disaster. Ten out of twelve spies with the exception of Kalev and Yoshua come back with Lies. They come back with evil lies. The Barra'ah, which we said last week, talked about is Motsi Shemra, the worst kind of Lashonara, which is telling lies, which are evil lies about the land of Israel, which caused the whole nation of Israel to weep, to cry. And that night was Tisha Be'av. It's interesting because the Jews were meant to go into Israel on the 9th of Av. And they sent the spies, and 40 days later, they come back on the night of the 9th of Av. Instead of going into Israel, the spies wanted them to go back to Egypt. And they all started crying. They can't get into Israel. They persuaded the spies, persuaded them they cannot go into Israel. They started crying. 
Hashem said, you're crying for nothing. This night will be a night of crying for generations. The first temple was destroyed. The second temple was destroyed. A lot of troubles happened to the Jewish people. 1492, the Jews were exiled from Spain. 1492, on Tisha B'Av, till Columbus was meant to set sail on that night to the new land. And instead of which, the Jews were setting sail, trying to get out of Spain. It was Tisha B'Av, 1492. So Tisha B'Av became a, a, a date of infamy. A lot of troubles happened to the Jewish people, many troubles. I don't know all the sources, but there's plenty. So you look it up, you'll find that many troubles happen to Jewish people on Tisha B'Av because Rabbi Sayer, the sin of the spies, made the Jews cry on Tisha B'Av not to go into Israel. They cried, and Hashem says, okay, you're going to be stuck for 40 years in the desert. You're going to be stuck for another 38 and a half years in the desert because you cried for nothing, Hashem. Yom Lashana, Yom Lashana. Every day the spies walked around Israel was 40 days. Every day, for every day, I'm going to give you a year penalty of, of living in the desert, trouble in the desert, the heat in the sun and the sand, and everything else that goes with it. So the spies talk bad about the land of Israel. We learn over there not to talk bad about Israel. We have to always say good things about the land of Israel, always give people good information, never say bad things about the land of Israel. It's a beautiful land, it's God's land. It's a promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, and we have to appreciate it. We have to bless it. We have to bless our luck today. We are alive. We are the, I keep saying this, we are the luckiest generation for thousands of years. We are the luckiest generation, even more so, I'd say, than the second temple period where only very few Jews came back. Okay, they had a temple, but very few Jews were living in Israel, and the first at least, and until uh, the Romans came and, and wiped them out. So it's interesting. More people are learning Torah now than ever before. More people are living here than ever before. Uh, but Hashem, soon the majority, vast majority of Jews will be living in Eretz Israel. Eretz Israel will thrive and will have peace and security in Israel. I just wanted to say a few more words about Eretz Israel. Uh, so you all have to know, Hashem is returning his presence to Zion. It's an interesting concept. Every single Jew has a soul. That soul is Ner Elohim. We say in uh, Tehillim, David Amirah says, Ner Elohim Nishmat Adam. The candle of God is the soul of man. The more Jews, the more candles of God. If there are more Jews in Israel, the Shekhinah's presence, the presence of God is returning to Israel. The more Jews there are, that's more presence of God because for every soul is another presence of God. Every soul is the presence of God illuminating the spiritual light of the world. And therefore, we are fortunate that we're part of this national rebirth. We're part of the restoration of our life and its original essence. I just want to recap a little bit, give you the main salient points of my talk. Number one, when a Jew comes to Israel, they get a new soul. The Gaon of Vilna says, the Gaon of Vilna says, a person isn't complete until they come into the land of Israel. Eretz Israel is not like any other land. Hashem endowed it with holy properties, especially suited to us. It's a special land for special people. The Jewish people can only be a nation in Israel, nowhere else. The genuine fulfillment of Torah is only achieved in Eretz Israel. Only in Israel can the Jewish nation be an Am Kadosh, a holy nation. We will see this speedily nowadays. In the exile, our identity shifted away from our national character, forming a Judaism focused on the individual and not on the, the big society. It was not a big society religion in the ghettos. You come back to Israel, it can be a big society 
religion. It's a beautiful uh, Rabbi uh, Sasson. Rabbi Sasson was the president of my shul. And uh, he, he himself moved to Israel, a very, very wealthy Iraqi family. Sassoon family, very famous, wealthy Iraqi family. Uh, the grandfather was knighted by Queen Victoria. Can you imagine Queen Victoria knighted this? The Sassoon family they were so known for their wealth and, their, and they're doing good. They knighted them and they lived in England. They had a whole estate, Letchworth. And after the 67 war, he moves, he sells his property and he moves to buy the gun in Jerusalem, Rabbi Sassoon. He says, what a strange commandment this is. We're the only nation in the world, can you imagine, the only religion in the world which tells its followers that there's one place to live in the world. There's no other religion that says you have to live in a certain place. The, the Christians don't say you have to live in Rome. The Muslims don't say you have to live in, uh, in Mecca. There's no other religion in the world that says you have to live in a certain place. Why does Judaism say that we need to live in a certain location? Very interesting question. I haven't seen this anywhere except the Rabbi Sassoon's insight. This amazing insight. He says... There are two kinds of companies. Two kinds of companies. So we all know, if you learn a bit of economics, there's a thing called a monopoly. So there's two kinds of monopolies. There are monopolies which are vertical monopolies, and there are horizontal monopolies. What does that mean? There's horizontal monopolies means that there's a store that sells shoes, and it buys up every single store that sells shoes all of a sudden it's a monopoly on shoes and that's called a horizontal monopoly and there's other stores that are vertical monopolies what does that mean they sell shoes but they don't only sell the shoes they actually produce the shoes themselves right from making the leather to making the shoes everything is done by the same company not by anyone else that's called a vertical monopoly they have a monopoly on the whole process from the beginning from start to finish, whereas horizontal monopolies have only a monopoly on that particular area of what they are doing. So he says all the other religions in the world are horizontal monopolies. They want to take over the whole world. They want to spread the religion in the whole world. Judaism is a, vert a vertical monopoly. We want holiness to start from right the bottom to the top. What does that mean? It starts with, with the farmer tilling the soil to growing the crops to uh, uh, governing society, to having law courts. It's a vertical religion. It has to cover every aspect of our lives. And therefore, to do that, you need a certain place. You need a, a society. You need a country. You need a holy, as the Torah puts it, to be a holy nation. The only way to be a holy nation is to have a land, to have a country, and make the whole country, every facet of society, holy. Israel will be successful, and that will be a counter to the sin of the spies in this week's parasha. We'll say good things about Israel only. And all the Jews, Bezrat Hashem, will speedily come here um, and we'll see Mashiach, Bezrat Hashem. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.